Hey, you are listening to the elephant in the room. We are back live on the Double E podcast. It's your host, Double E, uh, with the educator himself back uh, to drop even more knowledge, Brother Howard. Brother Howard, how you doing today? I'm doing good, Ed. How you doing, man? I am doing very, very well. Uh, Brother Howard, we normally do these on uh, Sundays and have them posted. Um, I don't want to put you on the spot, but we can't do it next Sunday. Uh, okay. <laughs> Got you, brother. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, um, uh, because of the Super Bowl, and and we want our listeners to, yeah, yeah. I, I, I got you on that. Yeah, so we want our listeners to know uh, that we're gonna do our best to post it. What day would work better for you posting it, Friday or Saturday? Uh, we'll probably we'll probably get it in Saturday or, or or a little bit before that. And so hopefully we can get a good conversation going by, by that time before uh, everybody partakes in the Super Bowl. Yeah, so uh, so listen to uh, Elephant in the Room. Uh, if you tune in on Sundays, uh, it'll still be up. But if you want to get a jump on it, uh, it'll even be up on the Saturday. And then we'll go back to our regular scheduled Sunday postings. Uh, if you listen to it throughout the week, then uh, you'll have nothing else to worry about. Uh, with that being said, Brother Howard, you want to uh, kind of recap last week yeah um, we, we had a real good conversation last week um, we talked about the Willie Lynn syndrome and how that uh, particular syndrome affected the, not only the African American community the global community specifically in America any place else for that matter as it relates to uh, uh, the law and that law being the law of opposites and how that was pitted against people to produce a particular behavior, uh, behavior that created classism, sexism, uh, in a sense, even uh, racism, because it was a racist behavior that that this uh, correspondence uh, came into being with. So the Willie Lynch syndrome used the science of duality, if you will, the uh, hermetic principle of duality to psychologically damage the uh, African population enslave their minds and uh, this behavior is taking itself from the 18th century 17th century 16th century up into our current times as it relates to our behaviors in the community and the world community at large uh, has suffered some form of the Willie Lynch syndrome and the competitive environment that we live in today and we like to talk about those things in elephant in the room and hopefully uh, make people think about uh, some of those uh, issues that are really uh, issues that are critical uh, if the world is going to uh, find some kind of peace if it can evolve to that particular point which it has a, a, a quite a problem doing now now would you go as far as to say and because I, I, I was thinking about it uh, all this week in fact that the New uh, Willie Lynch syndrome is the police department and their brutality uh, 
keeping. I mean, it, with, with all the with all the stuff you see on TV, right. uh, the stuff right. we don't see, okay, right. then that keeps their community that they're sworn to protect right. under lockdown because they know this this police officer is crazy. So I gotta right. keep keep my kids indoors. I gotta do this, this, and this. So. So I, I, I would say this, Ed, basically, because that's a very complicated question and there's a lot of places to go. I would say the police department was specifically formulated to basically maintain a social order. I didn't say anything about justice or even law, per se. Social order. So what is the social order? Who do they protect? And who do these laws pertain to on the negative side? And who do they pertain to on the positive side? You see, all these laws really fit into the process of duality. Okay. They really do. So the police department, systemically speaking, they perform a particular order and a construct of a cultural system or a cultural matrix. So they, they fulfill a task for that system. So they protect. So the question is, who do they protect? I'm saying systemically, not individual police officers, and this is not a question of is the officer good or bad. It's the psychological process of the culture in and of itself. See, one of the problems with American culture is it's very hip hypocrisy is the order of the day. It does not speak. It says one thing and it does another. So there's no healing process or no even dialogue as it relates to critical thinking or free thought. You know, because they stifle speech and they stifle they stifle diagram and dialogue that has anything to do with what they perceive to be truth. In other words, anything that has to do with perpetuating peace or putting peace in order becomes the truth, if whether it's internal or external. You, you see what I'm saying, Ed? Yes. Yeah. And, and and that's that's one of the things that has happened with with this so the Willie Lynch syndrome and 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 the process of people not coming together because they've been really educated and we'll talk about that because our theme today is education they've been educated to really look at the world outside of themselves and inculcated in a particular way where fear and hate has become the concept that even of education because education is really cultural you know and it's a binding tool so now our, our examination our, our conversation is how do we educate our people and what have we what have we done to this point and how do we in this so-called education which i call miseducation i'll talk about that a little further as we move forward in our conversation how that miseducation has caused such a corrupt environment globally around the world you know because we don't know the law of nature and how people move and how these moves historically come into play. Because I don't see anything new per se, Ed, but I see the same thing done over and over again as it relates to all these things, educating people, people coming into different people's spaces for economic viability in certain areas, you know. So now me and you back to our conversation of globalization that we talked about that's huge in this education piece people educating themselves as we see a, a large population from the Middle East and Islamic phobia being created by the media using that word 
and so forth. But this fear has been here a long time. This is an ancient thing. It goes back quite, quite some time when we talk about these things. So we see destabilization and movement from this. This is the remnants of colonization around the world now. And it's dangerous and it is problematic. So we see influx, large influx of people moving regions around the world. And there's certain laws that people have to understand that pertain to human behavior. And we learn from history from these laws. You see? So okay. it, it's a real huge uh, uh, deal and in terms of educating ourselves on how to, you know, maintain a, a, a peaceful environment. Because right now, it's uh, a critical mass for us to think our way out of this thing. Because we did not think our way into it in a way. And <laughs> they always talk about being dummied down. And this is not a, to imply that people are dumb. This is implied that the information received and how we're educated you know, in the culture determines the vibrancy of the culture, the humanness of the culture. And I beg to differ that we have done a good job in America or around the world with the education systems as they are today, specifically in America, and I'll focus in on that as it relates to African Americans or any other particular ethnic group in the, in the world, because they don't really know what education is about uh, at a personal level or even a systemic level, because that's one of the things that we're free ourselves uh, from this dilemma that we're in now. It's a crisis that uh, epic proportions. All you have to do is turn on the news and you see uh, fundamentalism, radicalism, and all these processes are really constructed from miseducation. And again, back to the elephant in the room, we had a conversation about religion and theology, Ed. This goes back to the education as it relates to these subject matters as well. You know, a lot of people have faith and beliefs and things and they misconstrued in the perception of things becomes real volatile. So we have populations of people moving in, but it only takes a 0.1% that are fundamental or extreme within that population to, to taint the whole process of humanism. In other words, people have fear now around the world. And this is being constructed uh, purposely. This is not new. This is, this is, this, this movement in the globalization is, is a social construct that's being perpetrated on the world for a particular reason. And now one would ask, what is that reason and then what, what is the process of it? Any questions, Ed? Now, as far as the education on a global, let's talk global, okay? Uh -huh. uh, a lot of us get our education uh, from the news right okay uh, with with that being said does is that what you mean by the uh, the, the, the perpetrating of fear okay uh, because if right. you, yeah right yeah, yeah certainly that certainly that's the aspect of, of, of education um, but education it, it comes in so many different variables and it's very broadband. In other words, education is, is, is at the embryonic state, 
at the embryonic state. In other words, in the womb state, and it takes ourselves outside into the world of matter, in a sense. So we're continuously educating ourselves by energy stimuli. And this comes by light. It comes through the TV. It comes through words. It comes through the vibrational frequencies and behaviors. There's learned behaviors. There's mimicking processes. There's a tremendous amount of aspects to do with education. But many times, I mean, you spoke earlier in terms of um, uh, the elephant in the room. We look at uh, cultures. I, two, we, I, I broke it down into two base cultures based on Diop's original hypothesis of left and right brain cultures. I, I, I introduced and, and spoke about the left brain culture being a culture in the north. Or in other words, i.e. European. This left brain culture separates components and it has a tendency to segregate information and it finds itself being very analytical or linear. So this right brain culture that I call African culture or indigenous culture finds itself different in terms of looking at the world. The cultural matrix is based on integration of thought. So all components They'd like to look at the relationship of these components and see them as one. So, very quickly, we have these two worldviews of education and how the world perspective comes into play. See, to understand racism, to understand many of these things happening around the world, we have to go back, back, and back to see how the species thinks, to see why these movements can be dangerous and are dangerous, and who is basically allowing these moves to come into play. Example of that being in Norway and Sweden and in Europe, we see the influx of immigrants that they call immigrants from refugee packages in, uh, in, in Africa as well as the so-called Middle East. And so these cultures are coming in, but not one or two, but they're coming in by the hundreds and thousands. You see what I'm saying, Ed? Yeah. It's changing the it's changing the so-called social dynamic, and this is just really contemporary, and it's really happening in the last 10, 20 years. But it's really something that's been going on, and it's flipped itself over the last several uh, centuries. But nonetheless, so it's different. And if we if we know the law and how these laws are being perpetrated against people, and, and how they're going to cause a tremendous amount of pain and and uh, dysfunctionality in, uh, in communities around the world. For instance, if me and you in the community, if we live in a particular community, and, and a, a particular group, an ethnic group moves into that community, say one or two move in, say a family move in, say it's the Jones family moving into a community. No problem with the Jones family moving in. Nobody has no problem with it. Everybody in the community embraces the Jones family. They come part of the uh, fabric of that particular community. But okay. three years later, the Jones family becomes many Jones family. In other words, there's an influx of the Jones family. So the percentage goes up from zero or 0.1%, now 3%. Within five years, it becomes 8%. Within 10 years, now it becomes 9%. As the percentages increase, the pressure increases on the population. Now the ethnic group has denied the, the law of percentages. Now, at what point is that so-called culture tolerated or when does this cultural other process come into play? So the law of percentages, as, as Dr. Diab 
presented to us years and years ago in terms of as you look at ethnic relationships around the world and education. So the laws of percentages change. So now it's not one in the neighborhood, Ed. Now your neighborhood is 20, 30%. You see how it changes the dynamics? Yes. Now, see, so that's, that's, that's a law that, that, that in, in terms of educating yourself about globalization. And in and, and, and our conversation on education, like I said, in it, uh, next week or the next time we get back into it, this will probably be a multiple part conversation because it's so vast. Because I'm, I'm just touching base on some of the contemporary aspects of education or miseducation as it relates to some of the things that are happening around the world or some of these wars that we have ensuing in the future that are taking place right now globally around the world and specifically even in our own states in America, we see that process and violence has always been the mandate over here, so you see those processes come into play. Now, uh, now with the um, with, with, with what you're saying, uh, let me see how do I want to that he's being self-fed information about, uh, i.e., so, uh, I can explain this, i.e. the Middle East, okay? If you ask a young kid right now about the Middle East, he's going to tell you there's a bunch of terrorists walking around, blowing up stuff, because that's all that that, that is perceived. How do we go about educating him that it's much more than that. Right. One of the things, what one of the tools that, that, that we... Uh-oh. Hey, I'm losing you, Brother Howard. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yes. One, one of the tools that we can use... You got me yet? Yeah, yeah. The one, is, one of the tools that we have to use, basically, is, is I'm, see, I'm getting reverb. Oh. Sorry about that. Okay, go ahead. I'm, I'll, I'll adjust it. Okay. One of the tools that we can, can use and we have to use is, is the tool of history as it relates to education. And, and this tool is allow, allow us to look in the window of history of things that already happened before. Uh, and and, and that, that's really one of the things uh, with, with uh, this movement and what's happening in the Middle East and Africa and around the world. That because people really don't know each other's history and, and with the process of even their own destabilization was in the past. So for instance, you see, we know how many people actually know what went on in Syria 20, 30, 100 years ago, exactly. or Persia, or North Africa, or any other region that has been destabilized by colonization in the 14th century, the 15th century, the 17th century, where the economic resources of these particular places were annexed to Europe, and now the destabilization generation to generation has caused these particular governments to be, unfold themselves in, in extremist ways. So now people use their theology to lift themselves up. It, be it good or bad, we see these extreme actions coming from this process of, you know, the average person on the planet really just wants to take care of their family and themselves and live in a particular manner. 
that they have some kind of dignity. It's a real simple thing. It's been hard for everybody to, to use that component because the wealth in the world cannot be shared under any current system we have today. <laughs> because the laws of physics say power really concedes to nothing, only to a power that's equal or greater than itself. So, exactly. so people want to become powerful enough so they can make a, a stance and a movement and a, and, and a play. And, and they'll justify it any way they can, through theology, religion, through any process that gives them the power or the justification to move a movement forward. So who becomes a good cop and bad cop becomes the, the chaos that the power elite will move on the people of the world with. You see, because what you have now is the same thing at a global level as we, we talked about Willie Lynch. See, so people are going to be continuously fighting each other, and they have been, you know, as this thing makes us move. That's what globalization is really about. That's what globalization is really about. It's about power. It's always been about power. And one would ask, again, as I said earlier, how are these movies being made and why are they, why are they being made? We have to educate ourselves on, on, on that, you know, because, you know, knowing a particular culture, you know, really come to first knowing yourself. Once you start to know yourself and your culture, then you can put a framework on it and understand what nationalism is. Because, you know, I talk to my groups and, 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 and using a simple sociological term like nationalism, which really, really certain cultures enact nationalism. What is nationalistic? What is racism? Racism has to do with power, Ed. Anytime you deal with racism, there's a relationship between that and power that people have to understand. See, to be racist, you have to be able to enact power. And what is power? Power, in, in a sense, is having someone adhere to your version of reality. In other words, living in somebody else's reality. So people live, and they live in your reality, and you're able to dictate the reality. Anybody that lives in the framework of that reality, or that cultural matrix, is under the power spell of those who construct that reality. You see what I'm saying? Yes. You see? So that, that's a very powerful thing in terms of education and, and systems and structures. But, uh, you know, the danger of it and the difficulty of it is in the language and as it relates to education. Because it's very hard to explain these things and, and talk about these things in a formatted way in, in, in a so-called structured environment that has a pedagogy uh, that, that really is based on, I would have to say, frankly, lies, historic lies that really inflate a particular culture and deflate another. So this is the American dilemma, but it's also been the dilemma of the colonized education system around the world. Because, see, one of the processes of slavery was the missionaries coming into Africa, coming into Asia, coming into South America and Mesoamerica, and bringing with them the culture and teaching the indigenous people, you know, to be themselves. In other words, to be their conqueror. Their identification with the conqueror was paramount for them to maintain power and hegemony over the indigenous population on the planet. So they educated or miseducated everyone on the planet 
that was, was colonized. That's what the colonized mind means. So Europeans, whether they be Spanish, Portuguese, French, German, etc., etc., had grown their missionaries, which were their most ardent tool to educate the population. And it took them in it generationally. In other words, once the population was miseducated, excuse me when I use the term miseducated, you know, because the term education is a misnomer in this case. Because education is a cultural process that really frees you from your physical body. That is really what education does, but that's another story for <laughs> part two in our conversation. Okay. Education frees you from your physical self so you can know who you are at a spiritual, emotional level, at a deeper level. You know? Yes. Yeah, yeah, I totally understand that. Now, uh, so let's 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 deal with the uh, um, the the miseducation portion. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, this was done. Uh, a lot of it was done through the missionary, through through religion. Was right. that was that the main uh, main way? I mean, you know what I'm asking, or, or like, but, or, but certainly. Did, did, well, 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 but well, well, but what I'm saying in a sense is the missionary's role in terms of inculcating or, or the brainwashing system on the indigenous population as it was centuries ago and as it is now was more important than the conquistador in terms of the, the soldier or the warrior. They only can do what they do in physical matter at that particular time. Otherwise, they can chop your arm off, they can physically destroy you, or they can defeat you or kill you on the spot. But the missionary mission lasted much longer. They changed the mind they, delivered knowledge base that was based on misinformation. So they superimposed their knowledge and deified their culture and inflated the African culture. In other words, the Africans, in a sense, suffered amnesia because they started to forget who they were and started to forget their history. Yes. Once they forgot their history, and the pieces of the history remain, they have, how do they put themselves back together in that, in the sense that circle has been broken? That, that large piece of history has been broken at that particular point. Now we become something new. We become something completely new. Our survival instincts are, are completely new. We're surviving in a new dynamic, in a new reality. So what is, what is that survival instinct and that dynamic? So in a sense, and this is a very strange thing, and those out there, hear me, please. Now we look at a powerless situation and we seek power in a powerlessness process. So the remnants of power become artificial to us. So now we look at historical materialism and that, that process comes into play in our community right now. That's how we become consumers, not only us, everyone else on the planet, in a sense. That's how they create the consumer, they create the image of consumerism, 
And what will you do to consume becomes the aspect of it. So classism comes in and so forth and so on. You know, images, all that thing, all these things are part of that cultural matrix that take us to the place in how we think. You see, it take us away from ourselves and who we are. So it is imperative for us to really be able to teach history and teach culture and teach who we are as it relates to the subject matters in our systems. In other words, we have to be able to teach right brain aspects and like music and vibrational frequency, the different delivery systems of education so we can start to understand each other. First self and start to understand each other so the student is able to connect to the subject matter because the student becomes part of the subject matter. If you're Zulu, so be it. Be Zulu. Don't see through the eyes of the British during the Zulu invasion. And you're Zulu, and you can identify with the British more because the preponderance of British history in your textbook has taken you to another place. So we got people in our world that identify with these things outside of themselves. So we have these behaviors in our community that we can't control because we can, and we can't correspond to these particular behaviors. So we become parasitic in and of ourselves. You see what I'm saying? I you definitely see? do. Yeah. I mean, when you're out of your mind, everything becomes, becomes suspect. Everything becomes suspect. You become paranoid. You operate on fear. See, if you don't know your history and you can't educate yourself in that, that miseducation becomes fear, eh? It really does. And it superposes yourself through a generation after generation. And so now we have the aspects of black-on-black crime. We have the aspects of this globalization process I see coming on now. And the people have been dumbfounded by these things for, for centuries and centuries. And very seldom do we get the opportunity to deal with this dialogue and have people deal with the macro and the micro aspects of it. You see, any of those things, those people were attacked. Those people become attacked and those systems become attacked. You know, they become conspiratorial systems or esoteric, you know, or esoteric. Someone has done their research through the uptink, you know, and they see this thing for really what it is, you know. We, we play the same dynamic game we always play, the game of the rich and poor. It's right. always been that way good and evil, all those dynamics of duality have come into play in the world. We can embrace them and understand the mechanism in which they operate, or we can continue to operate as we are now, but those dynamics have no frequency balance, and they're destroyed. See, see, to educate is to create. In the world we live in today, people are educated to destroy. So this is the process and the difference between Oppenheimer, who had the mathematical genius to create the bomb, so to speak, and his cohorts. But that same genius could create. You see what I'm saying? You see the difference of knowledge based on that? Right. So yeah. on one side, we have creation. On the other side, we have destruction. What is the difference between the two? is knowledge 
knowledge becomes the difference of the two and how we utilize our knowledge. How we, how, how we are able to come up with morals and values based on the cultural process and the continuum of it. Have we learned and have we evolved in that? I think not to the degree enough that we, even the conversation can exist for the people of the planet to start looking at how they've been duped by powers that be and been destabilized for century upon century. I'm going into this, and it's not a tangent I'm talking about. I'm just talking about the world we live in today, how miseducation has caused this thing in which we live. See, Ed, you know how many times in my groups and, and we're working in workshops and think tanks and, and, and folks will hit me with scriptures and gospel and all kinds of, of, of different manuscripts and documents that they have a tremendous amount of faith in, you know, but very little research, very little research in, because they're not really trained or conditioned to do the research and dig that deep to find out what they have faith in. So if the faith becomes blind, the behavior also is blind, you know, because, you know, it's absolutely, absolutely something that's really hard to control. That's why I urge people to, to be able to be prudent and do their research on things and, and find some of these answers and able to formulate some of the questions they need to answer so um, they're able to uh, uh, you know, get our health back together, our mental and spiritual health, because right now we're, we're, we're not healthy right now. This is not only the African-American community I'm talking about. I'm talking about globally around the world. Right. Right. Um, besides uh, people like yourself, Brother Howard, what other ways would one look to get a uh, unbiased, unwatered down uh, education? Well, uh, you know, in terms of unbiased and unwatered down, what you do, in a sense, is is you consider all perspectives that you can. In other words, you have point counterpoint. If 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 I'm looking at something, Ed, I want to see the counterpoint to it. I I want to see those who dispute this particular idea. I want to see every angle available. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. I want to see the intellectualism that points to one point and another. Because, see, you can make an argument from either point. I want to see that argument being made from both those points. So I want to gather this information. And, and then my assessment comes into play. You know, because now I have the whole tapestry of history in and of itself to look at this particular piece of information of this epoch of time or this particular age. And then I start to put the the puzzle together you know so this is this is this is critical thinking how do you become critical how, how do you have a process of critical thinking and be able to juxtapose information so in other words what do you how do you know the difference between right and wrong you know how do you parallel those dualities you, you, you understand what I'm saying so we educate ourselves culturally and internally and personally we start to understand our own history so we can do, in a sense, uh, a analysis of 
European culture. Uh, about two decades ago, uh, there was a, 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 a scholar by the name of Marimba Ani, and she's still here, and she's a bad, 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 bad girl, <laughs> bad sister. She wrote a book called Yurugu, which is an uh, analysis of European cultural thought and behavior. But to do that, you have to understand African culture or understand your own personal culture so you can look at the values of mores and how the European culture was constructed. And so, and then you look at how your culture was constructed, specifically in antiquity and how it is constructed now, with an eight inside of you. And then you start to parallel these things. That's, I'm back to the left and right brain culture and all those kind of processes. Right. So you start to look at culture and say to yourself, where did these get, where did they get the moral values from? And where did they, how did they construct their culture? What's the essence of this culture? You know, what, what, what makes this culture tick? What is the germ seed? So you, you also understand the germ seed of yourself and your culture. So when you start to look at these cultures, you see that there's a bipolar relationship between them that's extremely opposite of each other. You know, for instance, one culture is very patriarchal. So men run that culture. One culture is very matriarchal. It is a, a, a culture that the women, you know, have power in it. Not power over men per se, but women have power in that culture. It's a matriarchal cu- culture run by the mother principle. And we, then we have a patriarchal culture to the other side of the realm. What does that mean as these cultures, you know, uh, build themselves over the centuries? Because we see aspects of matriarchal and patriarchal in our theology today. See, Christianity and Islam are both patriarchal cultures. That's why we use the term when we talk about God, we say Him. Have you ever noticed when people talk about God in the culture, they always make it a male? They never say her, do they, Ed? That's correct. You, you, you see, and they won't say her because we've been inculcated in a, in a patriarchal culture. And the image of God is seen through the lens of the male who dominates that culture through antiquity. So those aspects of it become aspects of Christianity and aspects of Islam or any other religions around the world as they be in in their contemporary time. So these are powerful processes that see themselves in our culture today as women are being treated are treated a particular way throughout the centuries. We see their evolution, we see their de-escalation, whatever it may be, and the different processes of different women through different times. So we see goddess concepts centuries and centuries ago, in different cult systems, lunar cult systems, and so forth. And and we see the women's movement hundreds and hundreds of years before Western contemporary time know it. You know, go back to the island of Lesbo. You know, those who are out there in the listening audience may know something of what I'm talking about now. I'm not going off course, but I want you to know that these things find themselves in antiquity. You know, so um, th- those are, you know, some of the basic things that, that um, you know, we have to really discover and look at so we can understand some of these things, these scriptures that we read, these books that we read, and these documentations. It takes a tremendous amount of research to even go through the words and the dialogue of them because they've been so contaminated and, and they're presented as the word of God. And a lot of these things in terms of theology, that's a really dangerous thing uh, if you don't do your research because you actually believe the hype. 
And when you believe that hype, you become a slave to the hype. You know, because believe me, my friend, there's no God that needs to write any words of this. If you read it and you can study it, you would see that this is not the words of any particular deity per se. It cannot be. If it is, we're in bigger trouble than I ever thought. <laughs> if, if it is, we're in bigger trouble than I ever thought we were. Because that the sheer contradictions, you know, are mountains are voluminous. You know, right. needless to say that the language barrier and the mistranslations and the power that that be that it has manipulated these uh, theological documentations and structures throughout the last centuries um, uh, we, we we can't trust it anymore because the proof is in the pudding because indeed if we could trust that they would have built structures much more humane than that we have in place today you know you know so we, we got a lot of things to talk about in terms of being able to think freely and and, and, and uh, make decisions based on sound reasoning and sound history and sound information you know, we, 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 we haven't had the sound information. And, you know, the strange thing is we live in the information era where people can simply Google things. And that's right. another joke, too, that we'll probably talk about in our next episode a, a little bit, how the technology plays into that. You know, so education is a, is a powerful, powerful piece. And, and like I said, it's very broad-based and very complex. But I just wanted to really talk about the process of that miseducation uh, as it relates to culture, as it relates to information being factual and true in our knowledge base, having something to rely itself on as it relates to truth. Because right now, knowledge is power. And lack of knowledge makes you powerless. You see? Yes. So lack of knowledge makes you powerless. So in a sense, our community suffers from lack of knowledge of self and lack of knowledge in general. And that, and for me, many communities around the world suffer from lack of knowledge. And now this thing is counting on them to be reactionary. So this reaction is war. This reaction is what we'll see in the streets, we'll see around the world in time to come and we've seen so we see a reactionary process coming into play nothing proactive because we, there's no education being rendered you know so everybody's looking for victims and victims are victimizing it is a really dangerous world we live in today so we have to edu educate ourselves the best we can um, and and have the patience to be able to create a language so we can speak to each other in, in a proper way. Even even talking about any of these subject matters in the elephant room, very, very dangerous, very, very complex stuff Ed, because of the language we have to, to use and, and, and the thing. Because, believe it or not, in my mind, if, you know, as I walked in my life, people would say, you use terms like revolutionary, militant, and all these tags and sociological tags that really diffuse people and put them in a particular pigeonhole or category. That was used to really stifle information and knowledge. 
So, and and I and I know that personally, I know that big, it's bigger than myself. But knowledge and information is really what the human species has always sought since the beginning of time. Knowledge changed everything. It was our survival mechanism was based on knowledge. The more we know, the more we were able to thrive and survive. It was a process of the species. And ultimately, that education became part of the process of building our families and building our communities. So all the experiences from one generation to another were, were codified in formulas. They were orally transmitted or they were transmitted vis-a-vis -vis the codification of text, mythology, allegory. So information was transferred, you know, that way. So you can learn and evolve and it took a level. So education became a component where that particular community was able to plug people into the holes of the community so the community can have harmony and it continued to thrive or it, was, it continued to perpetuate itself. It could continue to live. But now with miseducation, all those things that I just said are an opposite. They're spun and in reverse. You see, so education of life now becomes an education of death. You see, so now we have the creation of the individual. Now the individual is being created in culture. Wow, a powerful thing. Individualism in and of itself is not bad. This is not what I'm saying. But it creates the individual component. It's necessary to create that component, that individual and now the individual doesn't know its role in terms of its connectiveness in the whole. Make any sense? So the individual becomes competitive. It becomes the consumer that wants to consume more than the next individual. You see, you see, based on the measurements of the material world, historical materialism comes into play. You see, this is the shaping that's been going on for century upon century that separates the nobility from the from the worker. It separates the, the field from the house. You see what I'm saying? It allows the king to be the king, and it allows those who serve the king for decade upon decade, century upon century, millennia. You see, it is knowledge that the priests had millennia ago that they brought to the people, good and bad, as they filtered the knowledge. And they, most of the knowledge that was necessary for, for a harmonious process was really kept inside for those who were initiated into those particular philosophies. So believe me, my friend, since the beginning of time, knowledge itself has been power and those who had the knowledge had the power. Those who did not have it were powerless. Even if they thought they had power, they did have had none. It was they cannot be that because energy moves this thing. So now the people are seeking knowledge around the world, are trying to understand exactly what is happening in their particular locales around the world, and now they're putting the pieces together to see that we're looking at one world construct. We're looking at one mono energy that's been happening, not just now, 
It's been constructing itself for centuries upon centuries upon centuries. And this is for the people out there that know what I'm talking about, because I'm really speaking under the table. I'm very frank with it, but I'm speaking in a sense esoterically for those who understand what I'm talking about out there. So we have to educate ourselves so we can live in, in the new world, in the new world, in the new world. You see it? Man, that... I had to reverb. I had to reverb on that. I had to put my own echo system together. Dude, I totally, I totally understand what you're saying. Um, we are almost out of time. I don't know if we want to continue with the. We got like five minutes left. Uh, I don't know if we want to just uh, try to knock something out in that quick five minutes, or would it be best to start? Uh, like a part two this week that we can post on Saturday. Hey, well, you know, certainly, you know, we're, we're going to post that part two um, uh, on that and continue this conversation uh, on education. And of course, uh, like I said, most of the things that we talk about, uh, they have a tremendous relationship uh, with, uh, with the elephant in the room. Yeah. And the elephant in the room is always that conversation or that, that pressure that's that's around us, that truth that people don't want to talk about. That, you know, because, because it's very dangerous and the stakes are high as it relates to the truth, Ed. So that's really what the elephant in the room is really about. You know, having, having the, the, the gumption to at least put these conversations on the table and so forth, knowing that, the, you know, the attack is imminent. But that's always been the case with the truth. Right. Anybody who studies history and understands culture understands what the, the stakes are high. But the, I think right now is a time in the age, you know, that people want to know what is happening in their lives economically, you know, socially, culturally, because of these things that are going on in the world. And they're willing to at least have the conversation because the current leadership and the current aspects of the world we live today, there's a tremendous distrust. And it's always been that way. You know, they pitted everyone against each other in this strange aspect. And it took centuries to do this. Oh, yeah. Oh, bro. It, it, it took so long to do this thing. And, and we can point to uh, different micro examples of of of, of the uh, how difficult it is for people to come together. I was talking to uh, 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 some people last week, and we, we were talking about poverty and organizing. And um, and, and someone asked me the question there that you know, with the relationship between black folks that are poor and white folks that are poor. I said, yeah, the relationship they're they're both broke, but the reality is in American fabric in the American psyche. The white folks that are poor still identify themselves as superior to those that are black, regardless of their economic status. Exactly. So it was hard for organizers, and so it was very difficult for organizers in the 40s, 50s, 60s, wherever it may have been, to organize these two groups of, 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 upon economic lines. In other words, their economic commonality meant nothing. It was their racial identity that superseded it. You see yes. what I'm saying, Ed? 
even though politically speaking, it would be at their interest to band together and increase their numbers as it would be power. But the construct of the system was too powerful. So the poor Appalachian hillbilly or poor white, so to speak, I'm being frank with this, could not identify to the inner city or rural black that was also in poverty. So these two groups became pitted against each other in the racial tapestry of the world in which we see today. You see, you, you see my example? Oh, I definitely do. And there's uh, different articles on the internet explaining that. And right. How, right. you know, even though that you're at the same financial level that whites still felt like I'm one break away from making it. You know, and they're, and they're told that, that, they're, that, 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 that they can still accomplish the American dream, you know, and that, just, that made them feel above uh, anybody else in that, in that same social class. So yeah, it Certainly. would it would keep the races divided, and those in power would continue to stay in power. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So, so, so the so, so the process of rich and poor, and and with those, the, the, this thing is centuries old, and, and, and it's really a science. It's, it's a science of human behavior being rendered on the people on the planet. You know. And in a sense, I always tell my groups, as we study the science of life, we, we understand the science of death we live in now, and everything is in reverse polarity, Ed. All gender laws are in reverse. The, the law of duality is in reverse. The law of correspondence is in reverse. The law of mentalism is in reverse. What I'm, I'm talking about is, is particular axioms of thought. Particular principles are axioms. You know, some out there listening know these hermetic principles, you know, that, that, that I'm speaking about. And we'll talk about them. We, we, we spoke about them in, uh, in uh, other uh, episodes. But all these things, we have to really put at the table so, so we can understand how they're using the physics and the mathematics of human behavior in reverse polarity against the people on the planet. We're talking about... A, a tremendous genius involved in this. This, this right. is something that's very, very deep, Ed. Very oh, deep. Definitely. And the study of human behavior has been part of their process of science. Yeah. These, these people well, do tremendous research. And, and, and he's like, these people, who are these people? You know damn well who these people are. And everybody knows what I'm talking about when I say they, these people. You know exactly what that is, right. because these orders have been in place since for centuries and centuries and centuries, and they deify themselves through the theological processes, and they become the CEOs, and they become the corporate, they become the governmental process, and they become the fabric of thought and knowledge around the world today. We have to reevaluate what we're doing. You know, we really do. Most definitely, and we're going to start that Saturday. So tune in Saturday for the next episode of The Elephant in the Room, starring Brother Howard. Uh, I am your host, Ed Davis. This concludes 
episode number something on education. I don't know what number we're on. Like five or six, maybe? Sounds uh, good to me, my friend. Uh, uh, let, let's just real quick, before we go off, give our top 20 listening countries uh, a thank you. Uh, and this is coming in from number 20 to number 1. We have Bangladesh, the Ukraine, Peru, Colombia, the province of China, Taiwan, Ecuador, Mexico, China, uh, Hong Kong, Poland, Vietnam, Thailand, Argentina, the Republic of Korea, India, and then the top five, Indonesia, Brazil, Russia, Federation, France, and the United States coming in at number one. Uh, Brother Howard, you're growing, you're growing, you're growing, you're educating. Uh, you got to feel pleased with that. Hey, you know, it's, it's, it's good. good thing is, like, um, like I said, it's always a beautiful thing to be able to uh, and create that dialogue where people can thank you, whether you agree, disagree, or anything. Put together these tangents that I go on and um, listen very carefully so you can extrapolate uh, some of the things that, that, that we're talking about and, um, and do your research on, on, on them. Because really, the only thing that we can do right now is really educate ourselves about ourselves. Right. Because this this thing is depending on people to destroy themselves. See, the, the process of depopulation is depending upon the people to destroy themselves. And how much that occurs, you know, depends on how much knowledge and information they have about of themselves. It, it really does, Ed. No, I, you I know, believe you, man. At, no, hey, bro, I mean... Whether we're looking at the people, what's the relationship between us and what's happening in Flint, Michigan, right now with the water? Right. Well, you see what I'm saying? Definitely. You, you see what I'm saying? Dude, we're gonna run out of time. <laughs> Again, I, I'm going on and on and on. We, that's what I'm saying. We're running out of time. Yeah. So tune in next week uh, for another episode of Elephant in the Room. For Brother Howard, this is Double E saying thank you, and we will see you next week.